Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource. It's free. You should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to this podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step-by-step step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running. That's my blog remix method, and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Distribution First. Super happy to have Brett McGrath on from The Juice. I was jamming with Brett earlier this year on Distribution Live, or Content Distribution Live. That was a super fun event we did with The Juice, so happy to bring Brett on now onto Distribution First. Yeah, I'm pumped to be here, Justin. I know we're going to probably be talking about just like the network that we build around distribution. I was thinking about our relationship, actually. And, you know, we recorded an episode on Modern Day Marketer on April 9th, 2021. So we have known each other for over a couple of years and have collaborated on several opportunities. But we kind of came together because we were both talking about the same thing and that's content distribution, which we're talking about today. But I think that's a signal because it's a relationship that we keep doing things like this with. So I just wanted to call that out from the jump. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And that ties into exactly what we want to talk about today, which is really, we're going to talk about a bunch of things around distribution, but I think one of the main ones to get started with is this idea of using a network as part of your distribution efforts. It's something I think inherently, like what you just mentioned, like, yeah, that works, right? Like even with the collaboration opportunities that we have and the different things and who knows what will even happen in the future and stuff like that. But it's like being able to build up that network of what the reality is, is of individuals at companies. And I'm sure you'll probably talk about that too, but like, that's a huge part of career growth, of all of those type of things. Obviously, you know, who you know it is honestly in a lot of ways more important than even what you know. Is I've learned that in my career for sure. But yeah, man, wow, 2021. I remember that. We uh we chatted spring 2021. That was two companies ago. And now yeah. I, you were posting on LinkedIn about content distribution. I was like, I need to meet this guy. I like what's he's like the one of 
three people talking about it. So let's chat. And here we are. I was going to say that was early, early day. I mean, early, you know, it's two, three years ago, but like early days for me too of like figuring out how really what distribution meant outside of SEO. Mm. And, you know, so if anybody went back into the LinkedIn archives from two years ago, uh, that could A, be scary, but B, you'd get some uh, early insights from me on that. But so let's move into that then, Brett. Like, walk me through, like you had mentioned, the network is such a huge part of how we distribute content. I know it's a huge part of what you guys do at The Juice as well. So walk me through maybe your thoughts on it, and then maybe we can get into the process overall. Yeah, for sure. So I think one, like I, it would be really easy for me to say, hey, everybody, I work at The Juice. I have a, my job is to hype up a platform that helps make your distribution better. And it's a distribution channel to the right people. Like that would be like really easy, but that I don't think would paint the full picture of what content distribution can do for you and your brands. And so, I don't know, I feel like as marketers, we should be studying habits, behaviors, and try to understand who are the people within the space that we're talking about who are sharing similar things through content, through LinkedIn, and what can we do as marketers to kind of build that bridge to connect with them. And so I think about that a lot. And I think the hardest thing that we, we the biggest challenge we have as marketers is that we're very ambitious and we want to go, 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 ship, 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 distribute, distribute, create, create, distribute, distribute again. And I think we need to take a step back. And like the first thing that I learned in terms of building out a good distribution network is we got to be good listeners. Like instead of doing, go and just listen, much like Justin, I found you um, because I was listening to the conversation on LinkedIn about content distribution. And so from there, it's like you start listening and you start creating this list of individuals that are talking about topics that you or your brand are talking about or want to be talking about. And there's like a whole list of things that I have worked through and tried to refine post listening. But I feel like as marketers, that is like the first hurdle is like becoming really, really good listeners to the topics and conversation of things that you want to be in the game talking about. Yeah, it's so easy. It's like the marketing trap where I mean, it's probably just the natural trap, a human nature trap, maybe to like, I don't know, you have a wife, I have a wife, you have kids, I have a kid, like, they start telling you a story or even just friends, like they start telling you a story and you're thinking of the thing you're going to say before they're even done saying the thing. And it's like, no, just take a step back. Like it's that human nature to want to kind of get in there and, and say that thing. Take a step back, listen to what's actually going on. You know, from a marketing standpoint, it's what content should we create? How do we, you know, here's our internal initiatives. Here's what we want to get out there. Is that what anybody cares about? Is that what anybody is talking about right now? Is that what anybody is interested in learning? What are the questions that people are actually asking out there? And that does take a little bit of intentionality to take that step back as a marketer. It also takes, I don't know, let me know your thoughts on this, but like, how the heck are we even going to carve time to do that listening? Like, I feel like that takes some internal selling as well to be like, we're not always going to be on this content creation, like gas pedal, you know, down to the ground where we're just always in creation mode. 
it's like taking a step back and being a little bit more holistic with that. Totally. And I think one of the things I would recommend to anyone listening is that you have to advocate for that time spent on the channels where the people you want to collaborate with or the people you want to become customers are at. I think in this space, obviously, LinkedIn is the channel where everyone hangs out and there's a lot of noise going on. Um, so instead of just like telling your boss or your boss's boss that, Hey, like, I'm just going to chill and like, listen on LinkedIn. Like that's probably not going to go very far, but it's, I think it's, what is the process? What is the strategy? Like what happens after listening and being able to explain that and have that tie into, you know, your content strategy and have that tie into your business KPIs is, is really, really important. And to me, after the listening phase, the next, uh, thing I like to think about is like, we get infatuated and obsessed with all of these people who have all these followers and all these uh, people and they get all these likes. And I think, you know, that's just human nature. The odds of us being able to build and network and create relationships with all of them are, it's very small. Like you might be able to break through and build a relationship with a LinkedIn influencer and it might be advantageous for you. I don't want to say don't do that. But what I would say like next is like after you get done listening and you've formed your opinion on like these are the people in the space that are talking about the things that I want to talk about. It's like that's your opportunity after you are consistently engaging with their posts, um, you're understanding that they're the right people that you want to be building relationships with is like find a way to add value. The adding value for us at the Juice in the early days was hey, we've got this podcast called Modern Day Marketer where it gives marketers the opportunity to share the strategies and tactics they're doing that breaks from the traditional B2B marketing realm and shows you how you're breaking through. And like you engage with someone, you, you listen, you engage with someone's posts regularly, and then you offer value of saying, hey, like you're doing this every day on LinkedIn, like go on my podcast to do it. No one says no to that or very few people say no to that. So like, to me, that's the next step because it gives you an opportunity to hop on a Zoom, humanize it a little bit, talk about football, talk about kids, talk about your family. And it's those building blocks and fundamentals that make the thing you're doing less transactional and more long-term. So that would be like, that's the next way I think about it in order to get to that kind of like distribution network. Yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of times within business, you know, it, it can get a little slimy at times. Like, you know, if you ever get the horrendous DMs or whatever from people who are just totally disingenuous or even the folks who are, you know, start as coming across as genuine and then very quickly turn into, you know, sales mode, <laughs> if it will. But I think like a lot of times it's, you know, the the whole like, dating relationship is a very easy one, right? Like, oh, uh, analogy of, hey, like, you want to get married? You want to get married? It's like, no, that's the, I, but I love, I like to even just do it from like a friendship perspective of like, if you're going to go get some friends, like, how do you go about doing mm. that? Like, think about like when you were a kid and how you went and found friends. I mean, I mean, as an adult, it's hard, like we're all struggling, right? Like it's hard to find friends with your adult. But like when you're a kid, it's like, I watch my kids and how they like interact with other kids and how they become friends. And a lot of times it's like you mentioned, shared interests. You're listening to what they like to talk about. Oh, you like that? I like that. Let's mm -hmm. say, you know, let's talk about that. Super low key thing. Like, even if you don't have a podcast, it's like, 
I've met so many people where it's a LinkedIn DM and it's another content person. And hey, like, do you want to just like grab like virtual coffee sometimes? And sometimes the answer is like, yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Like, it's not always an easy thing to do. But I think if it's like a genuine request and I have time and and honestly, like I've interacted with that person a bit, I think maybe that's what you're talking about, too. It's a little easier after you've started interacting with that person, like commenting on each other's stuff and engaging with them, understanding what they're about. And then you make the ask. It's not just like, hey, you want to, you know, want to throw coffee on my <laughs> on my calendar? So, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's so key to try to build up those natural sort of network friendships that you have. Is there a number that you're looking for with that? Like, I know you said, like, you can't go out. Like, are you are you trying to, like, say, all right, I'm going to, you know, really focus on these five people or, or these 10 people or what that looks like? Yeah, I so I think the way I think about it, and I th- you said something there that I think is really important to, like, double down on is just, like, being genuine. Like, we as marketers are highly skeptical and highly critical. That's just how we are when it comes to relationships. So we can sniff out all the BS. And so we're always looking for genuine people to learn from, connect with. So I think it's just like important to be real. And that is something like I always try to approach each of these interactions with. But I don't really think about it from a quantity perspective. I, I I'm kind of think about it from a quality perspective. So it's for me when you're building relationships because ultimately what you're looking to do is you're looking to gain further exposure from the individual you're building relationship with and so that doesn't happen overnight it takes time it relationship building like just think about like for anyone out there who's married like think about all this back to we're gonna dating analogy still but think about like how much went into the moment where you're standing up at the altar with your bride or groom, and then you're with that person for the rest of your life. There was a lot of effort that went into that. Like, I'm not saying we need to marry our network of people, but you need to show and add value. And I think nurturing those relationships is really important. So that's like, when you even, when you don't have something that you're trying to share or get value from, just think about the opportunities you can present to those individuals and say, hey, I'm doing this event. I've got this feature in this newsletter. I've got this podcast episode. You know, I've got this customer who I think would be a good fit for your doing. And just offering those up, like I think always thinking about how do you give before you ask is really valuable. And the more you think about individually and less as like your bench of people you're trying to get stuff Mm, from, like mm. the more value you are going to get out of it. Yeah. Again, like a good friend doesn't just take, take, take that friendship you would call toxic. (laughs) And it's the same thing with this, right? Like, don't be the toxic friend marketer who's just trying to, you know, get something out of everybody you build a relationship with. So no, love that. So we've got listening, huge. We've got relationship building. What's next, Brett? What do you got? I would put, and I touched on this a little bit, I uh, would be just like the nurturing component. So it's just like, you can't just say like, all right, you were on my podcast. We did this event with us and then like go dark for like a year and then come back around. Like that's where like the nurturing and just like presenting opportunities come in. But I feel like if I don't feel like I know if you're doing this consistently, not every people are going to fall out of your list. Like people aren't going to respond. They're moving on to other jobs or there's disconnect. And that's fine. That's a part of the process. It's a lot like I hate to draw this comparison, but it's the easiest comparison that I can can draw. It's draw. It's like 
just like a salesperson and how they manage their pipeline. Like not, you're not going to win every deal, but the more you continually add value and nurture those relationships, the more chances you're going to have at winning. And so after the nurture phase is when I think about, okay, like this is the distribution phase. And so this is when you have something of value and you know it's of value to that group of people's network that you are feeling comfortable to share with those people and not only share with those people, like maybe ask, hey, I think your audience would benefit from this. Could you plug it in your newsletter? Would you mind posting something about this on LinkedIn if you if it aligns with what your audience likes and you find value out of it? It's that sort of thing. So you're eventually, if you're trying to build a network of a distribution network one-to-one through individuals, you're eventually going to ask people to do something. So I just think there's, and we can talk about this, but I think there's approaches and ways that you can do that to maximize your success. And I'm just coming off the heels of doing this because we just released a report last week, I think, as we record this. So it's fresh on my mind. Yeah, I love that sort of like four-step framework that you built out there, which ultimately gets into the distribution side. So I would love to hear, because I'm probably doing a horrible job at this. I got to get better at this, Brett. How do you use use. I even want to like avoid that language, right? <laughs> Capture use. <laughs> how do you use your network? No, how do you, <laughs> how do you like utilize or like, you know, leverage those friendships and those connections that you have to be able to actually distribute that content? But again, without it feeling, I don't know, spammy or mm-hmm. weird or anything like that. Like, how do you go about doing that, Brett? Yeah, so I think it starts with the core of the piece of content that you have created and the distribution process needs to be a part of the way you organize that piece of content. You should be thinking about that up front. Like distribution isn't just a, it's over, now it's time to distribute this content. It's something that should be thought about during the planning stages. So we released the State of B2B Podcast Listener Report And this was a labor of love as the organizer of this piece. We have gotten feedback from so many different people, our board, just so many people who have just been like, you have a massive amount of data you're sitting on, on the juice with the amount of B2B marketing and salespeople that are interacting with specific contents, mediums, topics regularly. Like, what if you just started creating content on that? And it was like, you know, small team. It was, we need to do this, we need to do this. And then finally it reached this point. It's like, let's just go. And so for us, it was, you know, we didn't have an organization around this process, but what we did know based on the report itself is that it was going to feature brands within our network. It was going to feature people within our network because that's what the data was telling us. And so when we start, I was working with our product, Chris, who's the head of our product, an engineering team and started sharing the data. And when he shared the data, my mind went to like, I know this person, I know this brand, this is awesome. I'm happy for them that like people are consuming their podcasts on our platform. And so as this was going on, I had a, a spreadsheet up and I just created a spreadsheet of like people I know, people I don't know. And I started plugging in the data and then, you know, making sure like, okay, I want to reach out to these people and make them involved in this. Now, when the report got finished, my mentality was, I don't want to just reach out to everyone the day the report goes live. Like, 
I want to let these individuals know that they were featured in the report and ask them. And it's not just shove a link, it's ask. It's, hey, would you like access to this before it goes live? Now, what that does is like you start the conversation with someone you know, you might have not talked to in a while, or it might be someone who you have never met. But what I can tell you is that when you do that, everyone is going to want to see it, especially if they're in the report or featured. And so you it's a step process because it used to be, I used to say, hey, here's the link. By the way, can you share this? Like, that doesn't work. <laughs> like, it doesn't work. So don't do that. But just it's just think about it like a conversation. It's just, hey, I've got this report. You're featured in it. We're going to launch it on Wednesday. Would you like access to it beforehand? Let it sit. You wake up in the morning, you check your LinkedIn, LinkedIn DMs, and you see all the responses. Then that's where you start the conversation. And I can talk a little bit about what happened when we went live with the report, but that was the process that I went through. And it no piece of technology like helped me do this. This is like rolling up your sleeves and doing the stuff that doesn't scale, but it's the stuff that doesn't scale that allows the launch of a new piece of content to be as successful as that report has been for us so far. Yeah, I love that. I, just to tie it back, I think what you said, what you touched on was the idea of, and it's something we talk about every single week on this show, seems like uh, it is the name of the show, Distribution First, which is trying to understand, again, a lot of times I think when I talk about Distribution First, it goes to like, what channel are you going to share that on? Or what medium are you gonna, like thinking about the distribution ahead? But I think in this case, it's also a super great insight to add a line in the planning doc. I'm probably gonna have to go do this and add it to the distribution first framework that I use for outreach and who might be interested in helping promote this. Who are those friendlies that I can reach out to on a low key? And again, if it's five people, if it's 10 people, if it's 20 people, that's five, 10, 20, and then X the amount of impression. Again, maybe not everyone does it, but you're going to get a handful of folks to do it and help you. And then that in turn helps build that relationship. Now you've seeded goodwill with them. They've helped you back out and it just helps build all of that stuff that you were talking about on the front end of listening, building relationships, nurturing, like it's just helping solidify that relationship moving forward. Totally. A fun example of like an outcome that came out of this was in some of these instances, and this is like getting really in the weeds with like the tactics, but in some of these instances, I had to go to LinkedIn and I had to request to uh, connect and I had to add a note. And so, you know, it's someone I don't know, we're featuring it, add a note. And it's like, my mentality was like, none of, I, probably none of these are gonna, whatever. You know, we we all should add notes. We should not blindly connect, but that's another podcast episode. But I reached out to Kat Anderson, who's the head of international marketing at Sprout Social. Now, her show was featured in the top 10 podcast episodes, uh, Social Creatures. It's a phenomenal podcast. Uh, you should go check it out. But I had never interacted with Kat ever, but I did that. I reached out to her. I said, hey, I'm Brett. I work for The Juice. We have this report. Your, your podcast was featured. Let me know if you want, would want access. And I heard the, the notification you know, moments later on LinkedIn. And she said, wow, like this has been a huge passion project of mine. This is amazing. Of course, I'd love to see it. So I shared the report with her. 
I did not know Kat. So I didn't ask her like, go share it with your network. I woke up the day the report was launched and I was like trying to like mentally get myself ready for launch day, which we do a lot of launches at the Juice around content, around product. And I was getting my daughter ready for school. I was feeding her breakfast and she was settled. So I finally grabbed my phone and I just like popped open LinkedIn and she's international. She had a, already put out a post, was the first before the juice even promoted the, the piece of content. She put out this post and her post like was so genuine and she had so much appreciation for the effort we did to go feature her podcast that she loves. Like you can tell she genuinely loves this. And it was probably, she probably had to fight an uphill battle at a company to get it off the ground. And then you see all the conversations. I'm like, this report's already being promoted in, through hundreds of people before I've even sat down at my desk. Like that was like the moment where I was like, all right, distribution, I've created so much content on why I think it's the way, but like this one-to-one -one approach that we can take to our distribution is the way it just takes time and we got to just put in the work. That is so interesting. And I think super encouraging from the distribution side too. Hard to always measure, mm -hmm. you know, like as a pure, like, you know, the other side of marketing of like, ah, I got to figure out how to get this stupid thing into a dashboard now, <laughs> you know? And so in that case, it might be the screenshot. It might be the, you know, maybe the more qualitative of like, look at some of the impact we did. We did. I don't know if you're, I used to do that all the time when mm. I was meditating text myth. I do that now. It's like somebody shares like this show or, or some other thing I'm working at screenshot. Again, I don't have anybody to to show it to other than myself, but when I need a pat on the back, I'm going to go check those things out and remember them. Right. And, and just to like, it's in that encouragement to understand like, oh, this is worth it. This was, you know, worth doing from that distribution side. It's like all those, because I think sometimes distribution, it's hard or it's misguided because that measurement isn't always like this clean cut metric. Like, mm -mm. you know, I can't, you like, you can't go into the juices you know, an LinkedIn analytics and see how much her post, somebody else's post, somebody else's post, somebody else's post, and then individuals, like it's really hard to understand the true impact of that because you have no idea how many impressions that post got. You might, mm -hmm. you can see the kind of the engagements and then kind of guess, but you have no idea. And so it's a little bit of that, I hate to call it like blind faith, but like an understanding at the core of like, that's why we're doing it. I'm not doing this so I can like throw a number into a dashboard. I'm doing it so I can wake up, check my phone and already see other people are talking about the thing that I wanted to talk about. 100%. And I, so this is, we were talking about attribution. This could probably go off the rails quickly, but we're talking about this internally at the juice and like this topic. And I think just as content people, we need to think about ways that we can reset the narrative or perception from people who aren't content people on the value we add in our work. I think there's this like thought process that's very ancient and archaic that says, okay, if my content person is creating this blog post or this report, it should lead to this many requests to demos um, next week. And that's just like not how it works. And, but there's so many people in leadership positions who yeah. think that's how it works. And so I am like thinking through this construct a lot and thinking about the relationship as 
we as brands should be building with the people we're trying to reach. And this is a culmination of content touch points. And this is leading to things like following your brand and not going to request a demo. But like, if you are adding value and you're distributing your content and your goal should be getting that relationship and like the modern way we nurture our audience these days, like, yeah, you might do email campaigns and that stuff, but like, you're trying to get people to follow your stuff. And when you follow your stuff, you distribute your content regularly on channels like LinkedIn. If you're doing it consistently and you're creating content that answers questions on topics that your audience is looking for, eventually when they have that problem, they're going to raise their hand and say, you know what? Like, I really, really want to talk with you about the product you have because I think it might be helpful. So that like that hit a button with me because that's like a Slack thread that's going on in my company right now. And I'm hoping like the juice, we're in a position that we can help add value to any of those marketers that are out there that might be struggling in that conversation because I know there's a ton of you out there. I have conversations with you regularly. Yeah, it's a huge thing and it does start with mindset. It starts with a lot like leadership alignment, which again, is not always easy. It's very easy to like shout into the LinkedIn echo chamber and talk on this podcast. Like, of course, this is what you should be doing. And then like you go try to explain that to their boss and like, Hmm, our MQLs are down. You're like, how are you going to do that for us? And so I was like, ooh, that's a that's a different conversation. Like you said, that's a different conversation for uh, probably a different episode. But I think it is like to tie it back to the network effect and building a network and using a network for distribution. What you said there is so key, which is like part of marketing's job is to like build the relationship with the customers to make sales job easier, right? Like how much sales would you rather have a thousand horrendous leads who don't know anything about the juice who just like signed up for something that we gave them, right? Or would you rather have 10 who come in and are like, I love what the juice is doing. I love what you guys stand for. I'm bought in. Just tell me the details. Both of those worlds are completely true. Like both of those worlds can happen and do happen every single day. And you can decide which one of those paths you want to do. One of that, like, it's tough because the one path is like, you can get some clean metrics to measure against, but they're (laughs) probably the wrong ones and going to cause you to do all the wrong activities. Or you can get one with a little bit more blurry, a little bit more storytelling, but hey, marketers, your job is storytelling anyway. You just have to do it internally. You know, tell that story to your boss and your boss's boss and show how this is how we're doing content marketing and building this out. And it takes a little bit more figuring out on the data side, but it leads to doing the right activities, those Mm -hmm. long-term things that build the community, build the relationship, all the companies that you like and enjoy and and whatever from the the folks that work there that you hang out with on LinkedIn, like there's a reason why you like those companies. Like there's a reason. And if you reverse engineer why, it's because they're doing most of the things the right way. Totally. And I just think just to add an exclamation point to that, I think we as marketers need to understand the era we're in and the game we're playing. Because if you try to cast the wide net and a bunch of leads come in and you know you get one or two of those over your sales team and maybe one converts into a new customer 
it's not sustainable. And like the whole market is working right now. It's like VCs are shutting off. If they're shutting off the money, you'll never, your company will never survive that way, especially if you're a small startup. So like it's this outside of the box thinking, which shouldn't be outside of the box, but it's just building relationships. And that's something that like doesn't cost any money outside of your salary or what your employer is paying you. And I just think like, no matter if it's distribution, whatever the topic is, like I have never found it to be a waste of time by trying to kind of revisit that framework I shared up at the top and build those relationships because good things end up happening. Yeah, man. Love it. So before we wrap, I just want to make sure, is there anything else you want to hit in terms of the process? What went into, I think you were going to touch on something that maybe we skipped over as far as what happened on launch day, maybe like some of the things. So you reached out to all these people. What was launch day like? How did you guys measure success? What are you doing? I guess, okay, launch day is great. What happens after? So let's talk through a little bit about that process. Yeah. So uh, for us, our primary KPI for this report was, it was a member acquisition play for us. So it was, how do we get in new free members of the Jews to use our platform to consume content on the Jews? So you know, for us, we use the report as a way we, this has been, I want to shout out our product team because we've worked really hard to refine this, but there was an opportunity for a lightweight signup to read the report and become a member. So instead of going through the robust onboarding process we do to give you like, to make sure your juice experience is as customized as possible. It was like, there are a couple fields, you fill it out and you get the report. And that was like a big change in mindset shift for us, but it definitely helped us. You know, I just looked actually this morning, this piece for us, the juice as a brand that creates content and distributes on the juice, the report is already our fourth highest performing piece of all time. That there's a lot of things that can be said about that. One being people want more information that is driven by our product because no one else can do that. So that was a win. We gained a lot of new members from this report. So that was a win. Then also just on launch day, it was like this orchestration of people just sharing and watching LinkedIn and people tagging and then seeing conversations. And then what happens after the LinkedIn post, it's also like, oh, I'll put this in my newsletter. Oh, let's have you on the podcast to talk about this. So it's just like this rolling thunder. And to me, I was not thinking that the traction would be this great from this report. I honestly didn't know what to expect, but it has me thinking differently about how we do these in the future and how do we maximize all of our opportunities from it. There's some stuff that didn't work. And yes, there's still things that I'm trying to learn from this experience. But at the end of the day, like we got this report in front of a lot more people than we would if that structure that we used with people wasn't applied. So like that to me is the biggest win and validation to be like, all right, when we're thinking about distribution at the juice, like one-to-one relationship building and that connection point needs, is a requirement for Mm -hmm. us when we're launching new pieces of content. Love that. Love it. I think that's a great way to wrap this episode. I think it's given me a ton of ideas to try to think through even with my own business of like, how do I wrap that in even for the stuff I'm doing, for the clients that I'm working with, because I think it's a really interesting framework to be able to tap into the the one uh, like one to one distribution side, which again I think takes a little bit more effort 
takes a little bit more forethought, but man, I think like you've shown, you can really get some solid, solid traction and long term. That's a long term investment as well. That's not something that's just like, yes, it helped you now. But like you said, you are going to create more content like this. You're going to create more content off of this. You're going to like you've got all these. Okay, I'm going to go into super like repurposing mode, but it's like you've got all these shows that you talk about in here. Okay, now you can just keep creating other bits of content and reaching out to those same shows again and being like, hey, we did this. Hey, we did that. Brett, that's a free one. You can take it. Uh, (laughs) Do with it what you will. But um, yeah, no, I think that that report's got just a ton of legs to be able to keep doing the one to one thing with. Awesome. Yeah, no, I had a ton of fun. You know, it's a small and mighty community, the content distribution flag waiver. So I love these conversations. I love getting the opportunity to talk about the nitty gritty and getting down in the weeds and the work we do and appreciate you in this show as being like a show dedicated to distribution because I think it's really, really important, especially as we enter this era of AI and everyone just creating more and more content distributions is the way and will continue to be the way. Love it, man. Hey, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll chat again soon, dude. Thanks, Justin. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are gonna help you build your brand, 10X your content, and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.